tuning in to the Revival Tabernacle Podcast. Wherever you may be listening from, we hope that this message encourages you in the unwavering, unconditional love of Jesus Christ. Join us as we reach sinners, raise believers, and release leaders. Please enjoy the message from the RT Pulpit. It has been quite the week. Uh, sometimes when we have to go into what we feel are important defining moments that the Lord is trying to release in the house, it kind of feels like um, <laughs> the word has to become flesh. <laughs> and I felt like I felt like that this week and uh, but I'm just I'm I'm believing the Lord is 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 going to do something uh, in the lives of His people, and uh, if it takes me to have to go through it before I preach it, I'll do that. <laughs> amen, amen. Today we're kicking off a series entitled "Red Table Talks with God" or "Red Table Talk with God," um, off of based loosely off of a popular Facebook um, uh, watch webisode that is led by Jada Pickett-Smith, who she hosts these conversations, these in-depth conversations about life issues, and she has various guests on from time to time, and uh, it's her, her mother, and her daughter, and, some, and most time it's just them and then their guests, and they're giving their opinion or their take about various issues that are being discussed at the moment. And the Lord just spoke to me, simply says, Hey, I got something to say about some stuff. <laughs> I mean, you know, God has some things to say about some stuff, amen, about life's issues. I mean, here we are, we're living this life that has been given to us by God. God is the creator of life. I don't hear nobody talking back to me. I said, God is the creator of life. Psalm says in the book of, in the chapter 100 of the book of Psalm, it says, uh, it is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people. So how many people know that if you want to get the maximum experience out of a product, it's best that you read the manual of the product so that you know exactly how to use the product to its maximum capacity. How many people know what I'm talking about? Have you ever, have you ever uh, uh, had a new device? Uh, and we do this all the time. And we figure, I just can't figure out how to do this. I know it can do this. And then uh, my answer simply is, did you read the manual? Did, 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 did you look in the manual that came with the product to, fi to figure out how to do thus and so with said product? I think it's the same thing with life. So many times we wonder how to do this or how we're going to overcome this, how we're going to make this happen. And my, my simple response is simply this. Did you read the manual? This, this book, this Bible, this book right here is the manual for the life that has been given to us by the creator of life, God himself. And so we are going to talk about today defeating depression. Defeating depression. Many people are going through seasons or bouts with depression. Depression, my brothers and sisters, is a major health issue. 
a major health problem, it has been estimated that in any group of 100 people, 15 of those people are depressed. It leads to some degree or another. Sometimes even the most committed believers get depressed. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me today. Moses got depressed. Elijah got depressed. Jeremiah, all, they, they all got depressed. And one symptom, listen to me good, one symptom of depression is feeling overwhelmed by problems. Anybody ever felt overwhelmed by problems that you face in your life? Here's what the Apostle Paul writes to the believers in the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 3. I think we have this on the screen. Listen to what Paul says. He says, I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. <laughs> I don't know about you, but it sounds like Brother Paul was overwhelmed and stressed and even depressed in, 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 in this moment. Even Paul got depressed, and we all get depressed at times. Now hear me good, as I need to say this up front before I go deeper into what it is that we're going to be dealing with today. In addition to spiritual depression, however, is the possibility, listen to me good, of mental illness. Are y'all hearing me today? Mental illness is a physiological illness involving chemicals in the brain. This kind of illness, listen to me good, this kind of illness should be treated as one would treat any other physical illness. Yes, your pastor is telling you this. How do we treat any other physical illness? By going to a qualified medical doctor and receiving appropriate treatment. Now, y'all may be wondering, well, why can't we just read enough scripture? Why can't we just pray enough? Why can't that cure us? Because the reality is that in some cases, there are physical and chemical and physiological issues. Yes, prayer can help. And yes, God does still heal in miraculous ways. But more often than not, more prayer and more faith are not the only remedy for mental illnesses. Y'all didn't expect to hear that this morning, but I'm going to tell you it anyway. Medicine is still needed. Let me, let me come at it from this angle. If your leg gets broke, you would likely seek God's help and pray. Amen? But you will also go to the doctor and get a cast on your leg. Y'all acting real funny on this side of the room, so I'm going to talk to this side. Our brains 
See, and this is where we need to really understand the difference between your brain and your mind. Help me, Holy Ghost. Our brains, as a physical part of our body, should sometimes be treated with physical care, too. Your brain is a physical part of your body. Your mind is a part of the soul realm. Your soul is comprised of your mind, your will, and your emotions. And so many times, especially people in church, we confuse our brain with our mind and think it's synonymous. And it's not the same thing. That's why in the book of Isaiah, he tells us that he will keep you in perfect peace whose mind, not your brain, whose mind has stayed on you for those who trust in him. So we're dealing, I wanted to point that out because we have to deal with this in its proper context so that we can grow properly in the things of God. Amen? Amen. So just hear me good. Listen, when we get depressed in the natural, we can find supernatural resources for defeating depression. Because let me tell you something. Yes, you will go through bouts or seasons of depression, but it doesn't have to control you. Are yes, yes. oh, y'all hearing what I'm saying today? And the Bible, the, the Word of God has remedy. So we're going to look in Psalm chapter 42 and chapter 43 and really dig out and extract what the Word of God says for us concerning depression. Because I believe to defeat depression, we must understand three things. Number one, we're going to get into this right away. Number one, you got to understand the characteristics of depression. The characteristics of depression. If you have your half sheets, that's your first line right there. The characteristics of depression. Now, 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 you got to hear me good. We're looking at, uh, at Psalms 42 and 43 together because they probably were originally one psalm. Also, the key verse in the same, in, or is the same in both Psalms, and it's found three times. Here's our key verse. You're going to see it in Psalm 42 and 5. You're going to see it in Psalm 42 and 11. And then you're going to see it again in Psalm 43 and 5, okay? Listen to what it says. Look at how the first part of each verse describes the characteristics of depression. Why art thou cast down? O my soul, and why art thou disquieted in me? The first step in defeating depression is realizing what depression really is. When we are depressed, we are cast down and disquieted. We are cast down and disquieted. The phrase cast down literally, watch this, means to lower someone's spirit or to make them downhearted. Anybody ever felt at some point in time in your life downhearted or that your spirits were a little low? You may not have ever wanted to admit it, but let me just tell you something. That's depression. That is being depressed in that moment. Watch this. The word disquiet 
literally means this, to make someone worried or anxious. Anybody ever been worried? Anybody ever been anxious about anything? So much so to where you, you don't even, let's just be real. Can we be real today? All right, all right, all right. Because we got the red table and everything. Listen, so much so to where you don't even like talking to nobody. You walk into a room. What's wrong with you? I don't know. Just quiet, just down, just low in spirit. Downhearted. When we are depressed, we're gloomy, <laughs> pessimistic, despondent. Everything looks bleak, and even simple, everyday things become this big, humongous chore to accomplish. Y'all don't have to say, man, just blink at me twice so that nobody knows that I'm talking to you. We all get the blues sometimes. Hello, somebody. And some of us get depressed once a year. Some of us get depressed once a month. Some of us once a week. But being depressed is a, you have to realize this, my brothers and sisters, yes, saints of the most high God. Being depressed is a normal part of life. We go through seasons that may cause us to feel down and depressed. David, David, y'all know David, the man after God's own heart? Oh, let me tell you something. He wrote most of the Psalms during times of depression. Depression causes molehills to look like mountains. Um, Depression causes us to be like the first-time visitor to the state of Colorado. In the morning after his arrival, he told his host that he was going to go for a walk over to the mountains before breakfast. And he, didn't, and he, he did realize that though uh, the mountains appeared to be a short distance away, uh, they were actually 15 miles away. He didn't realize this. But the host decided to let his, his guest discover this for himself. That's a mean guest. I mean, I mean a mean host. I'll let you find this out by yourself. So the visitor started walking and walked and walked and walked. <laughs> However, the mountain seemed just as far away as when he first begun. After a few hours of walking, how many of y'all would have been upset? Y'all would have been fit to be tired. Like, I got breakfast at the hotel, and I'm still out here walking. Haven't even made it to my destination, and I got to walk back. Few hours, this farmer came upon him as he was removing his shoes at the bank of this small irrigation ditch about three feet wide and two feet deep. What are you doing? asked the farmer. He says, I'm going to swim across this river, replied the visitor. But man, you can just step across the ditch. He said, the stranger indignantly replied, you folks are not going to make a fool out of me anymore. I thought it was just a few steps to those mountains, but I find that it's many miles. Therefore, I'm going to swim across this river. Let me tell you something. When you are depressed, a small ditch can look like a river. 
Y'all ain't saying nothing to me in this place. I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep on talking. But to defeat depression, listen, you must understand the characteristics of depression. But let me tell you something. You must also understand the causes of depression. The causes of depression. Somebody said the cause of depression. There are two primary causes for depression. Let me give you number one. Somebody say number one. People. People can cause you to get depressed. The psalmist, he even wrote, look back down at your Bible in verse 3 of chapter 42, my tears have been my meat day and night, while they, talking about people, continually say to me, where is your God? He also writes, skip down to verse 10, as with a sword in my bones, my enemies, who are enemies? People reproach me. Then he writes in the last part of chapter 43, verse 1, he says, oh, deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. Wow. <laughs> Somebody said people. people. Sounds like the psalmist learned, just like many of us do, that you don't have to be a cannibal to get fed up with people. Come on, I mean, this happens in marriage, although I'm sure Courtney has never gotten fed up with me. <laughs> it can happen at work. It can, hey, hey, hold, hold on, hold on. It can happen at church. But I know nobody in here is fed up with folks in the house of the Lord. But it's natural to become fed up with people who you are with all the time. Ray Nagin, he was the former mayor of the city of New Orleans. He said in a press conference when he announced his resignation from the office, he says, I'm resigning for health reasons. Y'all sick of me? And I'm sick of y'all. <laughs> so the question becomes, what can we do to prevent people from getting us down. I'm gonna tell you one thing that helps me is remembering this one fact. Can I give y'all this one, this one thing? I think it's gonna help y'all. Maybe it's gonna help about, maybe it's gonna help y'all. I don't know about y'all up in here. Y'all looking like, man, you don't want help. This is the one thing that helps me is remembering that people are funny. That's it. You got to remember that people are some of the funniest people in the whole world. <laughs> if you are ever going to be able to ignore a hurt or make a hurt less severe, then you must have a good sense of humor and remember that people are just funny. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 15, the last part, it simply says, but he that is of a merry heart hath a continual feast. <laughs> 
Can I tell you something? If you are, if you are in a place of a continual feast, you will not be depressed. When you literally remember, man, you know what? In other words, if I have a merry heart, I will have a continual feast. Remembering that people are funny can cheer us up when they would otherwise might get us down. One pastor, he received this letter with only one word printed on it. And it was the word in big caps, all caps. It was the word STUPID with exclamation mark. The next Sunday, the pastor got up and said, you know, I've received many letters in which the senders forgot to sign their names. But this week, I received the first letter I've ever gotten that was signed, but the writer forgot to write a message. I want you to remember something. It is not the actions of other people that get us down. What gets us down is our reactions to their actions. Are you hearing me today? In other words, it's not what happens to you. It's how you deal with what happens to you that makes all the difference in the world. You got to say, you know what, they funny and keep it, keep, keep it moving. You gotta remember to stop giving people so much, so much of a heavy-weighted voice in your life. Especially when it contradicts what God said about you. Let me try to talk to y'all over on this corner. When the devil comes and tells you a lie, you really should get excited. Because it's a lie. I don't, I don't know if y'all, if y'all noticed or not, but he's the father of lies. That's all he can say is a lie. So when he come to you and say, you're going to always be broke, busted, and disgusted, you should start praising God. Because that must mean the direct opposite is true about me if the devil is a lie. Man, nothing to me in this place. We don't have to let people depress us. People are the first primary reason or cause for depression. But let me give you the second reason. The second is problems. Problems cause us to get depressed. When you look at the introduction of Psalm 42 and 43, it tells us that they were written and delivered, watch this, to the director of temple music so that it could be performed. Now, we don't know the exact circumstance, but we know from what it says in the text that the psalmist is Watch this. Far from home and far from the temple where he worships God. <laughs> the psalmist is far from home and he's far from the temple where he normally worships God. 
Because the author writes right there, he says in Psalm 42 and 2, when shall I come and appear before God? What he's remembering is he's remembering God from the land of Jordan. And he remembers how he used to worship with the festive multitude in the house of God. And with the voice of joy and praise that it talks about in Psalm 42 and 4. And he also writes that he is being oppressed by the enemy. He is in such a deep depression because of his problems. Look at what he says to God in verse 9. Look at what he says to God in verse 9. He says, I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? <laughs> Let me tell you something. When you are going through depression, you really do think that God has forgotten about you. You really do think that God has turned a deaf ear to what it is that you're saying. And we can get very depressed when we can't be where we want to be doing what we want to do. However, on this earth, let me remind you that people and problems will always be the primary causes of depression. So not only do you need to understand the characteristics of depression, not only do you need to understand the causes of depression, but let me just tell you this right now, you also need to realize the cure for depression. <laughs> there is a cure for depression. Let me just give you three steps for defeating depression in your life. Number one, somebody say number one. You got to admit that you are depressed. You know, the writer here tells us, my soul is cast down within me. My soul is cast down within me. The first step to getting rid of this thing is to understand this principle that the beginning of healing is revealing your feelings. The beginning of your healing is the revealing of your feelings. See, the root cause of depression, my brothers and sisters, is self-pity. I mean, look back at it. In Psalm 42 and 43, I counted it. The writer uses the first person pronouns of I, me, and my more than 50 times in those two chapters alone. I, me, my. See, when we get depressed, it's usually because we are thinking only of ourselves. Amen, Lord. See, this is because depression is often caused by being selfish and think, I've said often, I'm not saying only, but often caused by being selfish and only thinking too much about ourselves and our problems. I'm trying to help somebody here today. 
However, God tells us to do something different. <laughs> when you flip over into Philippians chapter 2, verse 4, look at what Philippians chapter 2, verse 4, Paul says, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In other words, I should think only, I should not, I should not think only about my own problems, but I should also become concerned with the, of the problems of others. Let me tell you something. I'll be honest with you. There are times when I go and do hospital visits that I am depressed in that moment. This is real talk. However, <laughs> there has not been a time when I came away with my depression literally dispelled because I realized many people having much more serious and are facing much more serious problems than I. I read an old saying that said, I cried because I had no shoes until I met the man who had no feet. You must first admit you are depressed. And then, somebody say, and then, you got to ask God for help. You got to ask God for help. See, when depressed, we need more than just a pep talk. We need more than just a message about depression. We often need supernatural help. And can I just tell you something? It's readily available to you. It really is readily available to you. Psalm 86 and 7 says, When I am in distress, I call to you because you answer me. Lord, help mercy. Help me in this place. When I am in distress, Psalm 86 and 7, I call to you because you answer me. Let me tell you something. You ought to get sick and tired of going to the same people that you can't find when you are in trouble. My grandfather would always say, uh, you know, you can really tell how your friends are because it, 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 I think the old saying was, uh, I'm with you uh, through thick and thin, but when you get in trouble, I'm going in or something like that. When you really need them, they are nowhere to be found. But can I just tell you something? You can call out to God in your distresses, and he will be right there. And not only will he be there, but he will answer you, and he will show you his salvation and his mighty hand in your life. Somebody ought to give God some praise about that in this place. Because when asking God for help, it's important that you remember what God has done in the past. I say it again. I say when asking God for help, you've got to remember how important it is to remember what it is that he has done in the past. The psalmist writes, oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Watch this. Therefore, I will remember thee. <laughs> Lord, help me in this place. My soul is cast down. Yes, I'm not, I'm not ignoring the fact of how I feel. But let me tell you something. I'm remember you, God. Because it's always helpful to look back and remember what God has done because that puts power in your prayer. There's this great poem that says, 
This was so good. It didn't, it didn't have a, 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 a source, but I put it down anyway. It says, yesterday God helped me. Today he'll do the same. How long will this continue? Forever. Praise his name. Somebody ought to praise God for the fact that God will forever be right there with you when you need him most. And this brings me to the third step in defeating depression. The third step in, is defeating, in defeating depression, my brothers and sisters, is to praise God in advance. Uh, now see, now y'all going to think that I'm just being super churchy. But let me tell you something. I found something in the word of God, so don't tune me out. See, three times, three times, three times, the writer writes, hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him. Lord, I wish I had about 15 more of y'all that would catch this revelation. Let me read this one more time. It says, hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him. See, what this is saying, this means we should stop focusing on ourselves and our problems and start focusing on God. It don't make no sense for you to continue focusing on your problem. You need to focus on the one who can solve your problem. That phrase, I will yet praise him. See, this is not a mere prediction of change. Watch this. But it is an active exercise. Lord, I feel your presence even right now. It is an active exercise so that when we are discouraged, we listen to the fearful speculations of our hearts most times. What if this happens? Maybe it's because of that. Well, 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 here instead, we see the psalmist in this chapter, him declaring, not merely listening to his troubled heart, but addressing his troubled heart, taking his soul in his hand and saying, remember this, O oh soul. So you've got to have a moment where you take your soul and command your soul to bless the Lord. Oh, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make her boast in the Lord. The humble will hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let's exalt his name together. Who is he talking to? He's talking to his soul. Sometimes you got to command your soul to get in line with the word of God. Soul, we're not going to do this today. No, 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 no. We're going to magnify God, the God of our salvation, the one who woke us up this morning, the one who started us on our way, the one who kept our minds from fainting, the one who kept us from dying, the one who kept our hearts together in the moment when the devil tried to rip us apart. God, we're going to remember you in the midst of what it is that we go through. I will yet praise him. He reminds him, his heart, of the loving things that God has done. <laughs> Look back down at verses 68. Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of Jordan 
and from the heights of Hermon, from the hill of Mizar. Deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. You know what? Even He's even saying, even in his distress, he knows that it's from God. Did y'all catch that? Right there in verse 7, he says, all of your waves. <laughs> See, the storm that you're going through, let me tell you something. You are not going through it by yourself, and you're not going through it alone. As a matter of fact, God is allowing it to perfect you in ways that he could not perfect you otherwise. And he, he even gives credit to, to God even in the midst of his storm. He says, your waves and your billows wash over me. Look at what he says in verse 8. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night his song shall be with me. A prayer to the God of my life. Can I tell you something? In the morning he's good. In the noonday, he's still good. In the evening, he's good. And even in your midnight hour of your life, can I tell you something? Come on, lean, lean in a minute. He's still good. You know why? Because he promised he would never leave me, nor would he forsake me. But he said, Lo, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the world. God is with you. God is for you. And God is making sure that everything is going to work together for your good. I need somebody to give God some praise in this place if you believe it. Hallelujah. 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 Sometimes you got to have a little self-communion. Sometimes you got to have a little communion all by yourself. Sometimes you got to have a little sweet time with the Holy Spirit all by yourself. It's a vital part of your spiritual discipline. You got to just, do, whether you're in your car driving, they may think you're talking to yourself. Let me tell you something. Let them think that you're on Bluetooth. Let them know that you're talking to yourself, but you're talking to the Father. You're telling God, I must tell Jesus all about my troubles. He will hear me by and by. He'll answer me when I need him the most. Old song we used to sing in my granddaddy's church, it says, just when I need him, Jesus is near. Just when I'm about to falter, Jesus is right there with me. He is, he is willing to help me. He is willing and able to cheer me. Just when you need him most. <laughs> so we when we focus, can I give you this promise? Can I give you one last promise? When you focus on God, I feel your presence, Holy Ghost. When we focus on God, we will experience this amazing promise that's found in Isaiah 26 and 3. Go to Isaiah 26 and 3, because I want you to see it. I want you to highlight this in your Bible. We experience when we focus on him, let me tell you what it says. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds, Lord, help me in this place, are steadfast. Another version says, are stayed on thee. Watch this. Because they trust in you. You got to learn to trust him. In everything, for everything, by everything, 
The wisdom of Solomon suggests to us that we ought to trust in the Lord with half of our heart. Oh, y'all read the Bible over here. Okay. We need to trust in the Lord with, with all of our hearts. Can I tell you something? We can trust him. Watch this. Don't miss this. Because he's trustworthy. See, God is not like man that he should lie. <laughs> you see, 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 neither the son of man that he should repent. Everything he said he's going to do. I said everything he said he's going to do. So, 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 so you got to just Take him at his word. Hold on to it. Don't doubt. And don't let go. Because it will come to pass. So when you go in that moment, when you're feeling downcast and disquieted, Focus your attention on him and give him back his word. God, you promised that you would keep me in perfect peace when my mind has stayed on you. So right now, I'm, I give you my heart. I give you my, I give you my thoughts. I give you my everything because I need that peace that's perfect right now. In this situation, I need it. And he will give it to you. Let me tell you, my brothers and sisters, the Hebrew word translated peace, <laughs> I thought this was good, Pastor Ken, it refers to tranquility in the midst of life problems. It refers, Brother Donald, to tranquility in the midst of life's problems. See, it's not that when you give your heart to the Lord that now you are just, you know, problem not going to come your way. <laughs> that, that, that's, just, that's just not true. When you give your life to Christ, that does not just absolve you from having problems in your life. It doesn't. But what it does give you. It gives you the ability to have peace in the midst of life's problems. See, before you were reacting to every problem that comes into your life, now with God, you can understand that you can have peace in the midst of the problem. This is what the scripture means when the scripture talks about that he will give you a peace that surpasses all understanding. Because it's not going to make sense to everybody around you when you're going through hell and high water and you're still saying, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust you, <laughs> how I prove you more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust you more. That doesn't make sense but it makes, it makes all the sense in the world on the inside 
because you have a twin a tranquility. <laughs> he will keep your heart and your mind. My brother Duran is one of those examples for that in my life. I say Duran has just like a, this inner peace. I don't understand it. <laughs> Because it moves him not. I mean, the things that sometimes, the, the, the challenges that life will bring our way, it, it, just, it just moves him. He just, he just, hey, listen, I know God's going to take care of me. <laughs> and I'll be honest. Yeah, I'm the preacher, I'm the pastor. But as my brother's like, but man, you, gotta, you, need, you need to do some things. And while that may be true, he still is like, I got a peace. I know God is going to take care of us. Can I tell you something? Thank you, Holy Ghost. When you praise God, you focus on God, and you will thereby find that peace that is able to defeat your depression. I mean this with all my heart. You, you can tap into that realm. I'm, I'm not saying problems never come because problems will come. Problems, problems hit me. But let me tell you something. I understand that if I admit where I am, then all I got to do after I admit where I am is ask God for help. And then I praise him in advance. Because there's something interesting that praise does. It produces the presence of God that comes to bring you peace. Defeating depression requires you to understand the characteristics of depression, the causes of depression. But my brothers and sisters, he doesn't just leave you with that. He lets you know that there is a cure for your depression. Everyone standing in this place. And you won't leave here like you came in Jesus' name, you won't leave here like you came in Jesus' name. If you are bound, oppressed, sick or lame, you won't leave here. <laughs> like you came in Jesus name receive it today receive his peace receive his joy receive that he is for you He wants to have you walk 
in victory. In every area of your life, so many people are dealing with depression. So I was going through the, the research and the, I mean, the stats are just staggering. But let me tell you something. God sent me here today to tell you, you don't have to live that way. When it comes upon you, and it will come upon you, nobody's exempt. As a matter of fact, the Word of God tells us that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord. <laughs> will deliver you out of them all. All. A-L-L -L spells all. So you don't have to continue walking in your life, living your life saying, yeah, you know, God's him, but you know, I just got this little depression thing that I'm dealing with. God can deliver you from that too. Yes, he can. He can lift it. When you lift him up, he'll lift you up. If I be lifted up <laughs> from the earth, I'll draw all men. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to lift him up. Old song in the old church, we used to sing, it says, How to reach the masses, men of every birth. For an answer, Jesus gave the king. He said, If I, if I be lifted up from the earth, I'll draw all men unto me. And when I was a kid, I used to think that, that the next part of the song would say, Lift him up, lift him up, till he speaks from eternity. But that's not what the song says. It says, still he speaks <laughs> from eternity. In other words, when the, the composer of that song was writing the song, he was telling us, keep lifting him up. Keep, up. keep lifting up Jesus. Yes, he was lifted up on Calvary's cross on that, on that Friday. But can I just tell you something? He still wants us to lift him up. And we lift him up in our praise. He's still speaking, lift me up, lift me up, lift me up, lift me up, lift me up. This is Jesus saying, lift me up. Because if he be lifted up in your life, he'll draw that life to him. So all over this room, let's just begin to lift him up. Come on, lift him up, lift him up, lift him up. All over this room, lift him up, lift him up. Lift him up. There are many people, even in this room, who are dealing with depression. You came here downhearted, downcast, disquieted, low in spirit. And I tell you, God had you on his mind, and he still has you on his mind. God was thinking about you. God is thinking about you. And he wants you to know that he has a plan for you. It's a very clear plan for your life. 
God is going to begin revealing his plan for you. And for some of you in this room, it's your plan that God has for you starts simply with giving him your life, trusting him with your heart, trusting him with your life. God wants to do it for you. Let me say this. If you're in this place and you say, Pastor Devin, I'm ready to trust God with my heart. I'm ready to trust him with my life. I've been going around in circles. I haven't made any progress, not at least not the progress that I know that God has for my life. I'm ready to give my heart to him. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this place and you say, Pastor Devin, I want to give God my heart. Can I just tell you something? That process is very easy. It doesn't, it's not a complicated process. This is what the word of the Lord says. It says that we must first admit. Admit what? Admit that we are a sinner in need of a Savior, and then we must repent of those sins. Then we must believe. Believe what? Believe that God sent his son Jesus to be the ultimate sacrifice for those sins so that we could receive Christ into our hearts. And then see, confess, confess. What am I confessing? You're simply confessing that Jesus is now Lord of your life. The heart man believeth, but it's with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Let me just tell you, this day, God has sent you here to make sure that you can get things right with him. God wants to be in relationship with you. Won't you follow Jesus? Trust him. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, Pastor Devin, I'm ready to give Jesus my heart. I'm ready to, to trust him. I'm ready to follow him for the rest of my days. On the count of three, I want you to lift your hands right where you stand. While every head is bowed, every eye is closed, this is a personal moment between you and your father, your creator, the creator of your life. Let him do what he longs to do in your life. If you want to give your heart, if you want to be saved, you want to be born again, Lift your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Lift your hand right where you stand. Thanks for tuning in to the Revival Tabernacle Podcast. Wherever you may be listening from, we hope that this message encourages you in the unwavering, unconditional love of Jesus Christ. Join us as we reach sinners, raise believers, and release leaders.